Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. video is going to be a little bit different than my usual interviews. Um, I'm talking to Deborah Castellano, who I interviewed a couple months back. Magic is something that people who feel as though they cannot use mainstream modes of power, they can use glamour magic to great effect. Glamour is what makes you interesting and exciting, both to yourself and others. So that's why it's for everyone. Um, it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It's really genuinely for everyone. I mean, real glamour is dangerous, honestly, and in an exciting way, but also in a very real way, because a lot of times you are inviting and sometimes even daring people to look at you. And we're discussing glamour magic, but we're discussing it in particular in relation to Marie Kondo and the entire, I don't know, it's the fuckery that happened around her and her comment about the 30 books. And uh, Deborah and I are also going to talk about what glamour magic is, what it isn't, um, how to use glamour magic as a way to take your magic next level. And yeah, it's just going to be a really nice discussion. And because it is much more of an open sort of thing, your comments, your feedback is so welcome. Um, I look forward to reading them below and uh, enjoy. And oh, guys, I almost forgot to tell you that my Glamour Magic class is almost ready. It's going to be a series of videos on Teachable. If you want to be on the notification list of when it goes live, there's going to be a link down below in the description box. I love the pigtails, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Chawan here. Today is a special, unique episode of Witches and Wine. I have with me Deborah Castellano. I've talked to her before. She wrote a book called Glamour Magic. So it's literally about what we're going to be discussing today, which is glamour magic and everyone's favorite slash most hated uh, Netflix personality right now, Mary Kondo. I am going to figure out what sparks joy in my life. I can't believe you can touch the carpet. This is a conversation about what magic, glamour magic, looks like in real life and how people react to it in real life. In case uh, the audience hasn't seen the interview that we did earlier, can you talk a little bit about your book and your background? Sure. So a little bit about my background is um, I have been blogging about uh, glamour in a magical context for probably the last decade or so. And uh, I wrote the book Glamour Magic, The Witchcraft Revolution to Get What You Want, um, which really kind of goes into how glamour is for everyone. Beauty is and glamour does and how it's an active thing. Most glamorous people don't fit into a conventional shell and that's always been what's fascinating to me. They have that certain something. So I've spent a long time thinking about it and talking about it and sometimes yelling about it. Uh, how you can also interplay that with, with your magic. For me, glamour magic is actually almost like a filter you put on top of who you are. You're still you. You're still mm -hmm. you. But you put this filter on, and depending on the situation, you put on different filters. So glamour magic is a type of self-awareness, it's an intelligence, um, it's an overall way to live life that is so responsive to the environment 
that it's like next level human. I love that you say that it's a filter. I think that's such a great way to talk about it because like you said, people are really quick to be like, oh, this is a con job. And you know, even in my book, I'm like, oh, your spanks full of lies. You know, like, how dare you? But that's part of the point to it is to change the filter, to change the light, to change things, to make it so you can get to where you're trying to go. It's a very subtle magic. And at the end of the day, though, yeah, you can put in fake boobs. Yeah, you can put in fake eyelashes. Yeah, you can, you know, do whatever you would like to do. You can dress in drag. You can put on heels. But if there's not something real at the bottom of it for it to stick to, it won't stick. But if there is, if that's just another layer to who you are, you're just, you're building a crock and bouche, I used to say, you know, that, that French pastry with all the little cookies in the middle and then this uh, big elaborate spun sugar. It's like your magic is the crock and bouche in the middle and glamours everything you did on top of it that makes it look like not a pile of cookies. The thing that I think people misinterpret a lot about glamour magic, they see it almost as like the the last refuge of people who don't know how to do magic or who aren't smart enough to be themselves or who are trying to um, fool people into thinking they're cooler than they are. And I call that faux glamour, you know, false right. glamour. It's not real glamour. And the thing is, faux glamour, you can feel it and it feels icky. Like, it does yes. feel like somebody's trying to con you. Let's talk a little bit about how Marie Kondo practices glamour magic. She doesn't fit the format of a makeover show. You know, um, she's not doing all the work. There's no magic crew to help everything. She's like, all right, pile all your shit up on a bed. I'll be back in a week, figure it out. You know, with a little more guidance than that. But beyond even that, like the way she approaches it that is so mindful and thoughtful. She doesn't let you get into all the hard sentimental things until you really kind of honed that sense of what's important to you, to you, not to her, to you, and can figure out where you want to go from there. You know, she wants you to live in an environment that encourages you to live the life you would want to be living, not just an aspirational life, but what life do you want to be living right now? And your home is such an influence on that. On Facebook, there was a thread recently, um, and this person was talking about how women, if you're busy putting on makeup, or cosmesis as you call it, um, if you're busy putting on makeup or you're busy making your home beautiful and comfortable, that means there's less time for you to do actual magic. Why is it that magic is seen as this high and holy thing, and then the glamour part, which is creating a beautiful home, creating a beautiful outside, you know, like, exterior of yourself. Why is that considered, like, inferior women's work? You know, why? And it was a woman who wrote this thread, so I was, like, really shocked. That's even worse. Um, <laughs> no, because I... My, my husband and I actually sort of recently had a conversation that's adjacent to this. I felt... Um, I'm about to turn 40 this week, and I was really? having this, you know, this sort of uh, elaborate series of events and rituals and, you know, things that I was doing, and a lot of people were kind of not pushing back, like, no, I'm not coming. It was more pushing back, like, why would you do this? I'm like, I don't know. Why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you take on austerities for the first 40 days of 40? Why wouldn't you have a big elaborate party with all the people you love? Even though that's not what they're saying, that's kind of how I hear it, is I don't want to do all this work that makes me feel uncomfortable. I would rather say chance for an hour and hope that someone else sort of saves me versus do all this, you know, hard little work that is devalued to try to get to where I'm going. Put on the filter a little bit, and I don't know where this attitude of come exactly as you are comes from. It's very modern, and it's not just boys, it's not just girls, it's not people who don't identify either way. It seems to be almost everybody, not everyone everyone but a lot of people feel this way 
And that wasn't the case even so long ago as if you think about Mad Men, Don Draper wasn't showing up in jeans and a t-shirt, you know. Joan Holloway was like corseted and like all this complicated, very structured clothing. And you don't have to do all that, but you have to find what actually works. It has to be a conscious decision because that's how you kick open doors. And like to me, part of the goal of glamour is to kick open as many doors as you can through the universe and to just keep saying yes to these opportunities and maybe some of them will pan out and maybe some of them won't. But if you don't keep trying, if you don't keep like figuring out who you are, how you want to present yourself, where are you going to get? And I think the way you present your home is a natural extension of that. All right. Well, I like your uh, the backdrop. It looks awesome. You see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like having a beautiful house and having like a magical space like that. Aesthetics are important in magic. The fact that people want to poo poo on that, it just makes no sense to me. There was um, a line in Aiden Wachter's Six Ways that really stuck with me, which was. Aesthetics are inherently magical. I may be paraphrasing, but he was saying, listen, you gotta spend some time figuring out what sort of aesthetic feels magical to you. And it's different for everybody, but to totally discount that, or to just say one type of aesthetic is the magical aesthetic, that completely cuts into your actual magic. Like, if you're talking about wanting to get great results, you have to take into consideration aesthetics. You have to take into consideration glamour. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are starting to recognize it. And I think that's also why there's that backlash. Think about witches of Instagram. People say a lot of shitty things about that because, oh, how dare we show anything, even if it was after or whatever. I'm like... So you can be inspired. That's part of it, too. So you can be not just to like, okay, bone A goes here, feather B goes there, crystal C goes there. It's so you can dream, you know, have a starting point for you to dream about what's right for you. I remember this interview that I did with Alkisis Demek of Scarlet Emperor. Yeah, it was like a hyper-awareness of sensuality. That's kind of more magic. In the uh, Book of Revelation, she's described as the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. So for me, that puts her as the sort of the head of the fount, the source of this tradition of female sexual magic. She is a troublesome energy, but we are in times where we need troublesome energy in a world that's actually going to get stuff done. female practice in magic because everything's been written by men for so long so for me I just because there are no texts they worked with what as the text as the, the repository of knowledge and we were discussing how a lot of magical books a lot of spiritual books they were written by men um, a lot of that spiritual life it was done by dudes and oftentimes we're living an ascetic life a monk-like life Yes. But historically, there was no chance for women to do it. Not because women weren't magical, but women just didn't right. have the opportunities. So we're not seeing a diverse range of what magic looks like. Half the magical population was not allowed, not given the opportunity, to really talk about magic. So, we, I mean, would you trust something that's only 50% complete? I wouldn't. A lot of women, even women who were nobility, didn't read, didn't write, or only a very little bit. And, um, you know, it was usually things that, like, what was known as your, your book of the hours or something like that. And church wasn't just like, oh, I'm so spiritual. It was also a social obligation, you know, like, you needed to go show your face there and possibly get done whatever you were trying to get done, you know, either before, after, during, whatever, um, that I, I think there was a lot of folk things happening, not always necessarily to, you know, the excitement that we like to imagine, but I think there's a lot of little folk traditions that I'm sure were done all the time that people didn't think twice about. And that's another thing that gets relegated is, is folk magic and the little things. And, uh, 
sometimes you need a bunch of little things to make something big. I just think that this thing with Marie Kondo, a lot of it is being, a lot of the criticism that's being lobbed at her is about books. Like, it's, it's almost as if people were just looking for just something to just grab onto. It's, you know, like everything yeah. else, it's just like, whatever. Then she talked about books. How dare she, you know, like a woman talking about throwing out books. And, you know, this conversation that we're having right now, it was inspired by a thread we both saw that, um, well, why don't you tell the audience what the thread was about? So, you know, there's this meme going around about, you know, uh, our girl having said, you know, oh, less than 30 bucks. And she said for herself that would be the case. So, you know, without naming names or anything, a person had said that he would punch her in the motherfucking face for saying that. First off, that was something taken out of context. That wasn't even something that she said. Like what I don't think people are really putting into context is the fact that we're talking a country that lived in much smaller dwellings and had smaller kitchens, smaller spaces for books, smaller spaces for everything. So you had to scale. And if books aren't your passion, they aren't everyone's, you know, <laughs> then maybe you don't want to dedicate like a third of your living space to it. And, um, and I felt like as someone who lives in a small space intentionally, I'm like, listen, I wrote a book. I don't have... It, it, that doesn't endlessly make my closet in this room Narnia. I don't walk through and now there's a library. I mean, I have to be mindful about my consumption. It does have to spark joy in this for everyone who is so like, mm, about what does that mean? For me, it means does it have a very personal memory? Is it a reference book that I use relatively often? Is it a pile of books I'm doing for research for my next whatever? You know, it's got to have a purpose. But that means I go to the library. That means I read on my phone. That means I read on my Kindle. It doesn't mean I want to burn all knowledge. I think people think in this very typical standard uh, American home where you've got like at least a thousand probably closer to two thousand square feet to just throw your crap wherever and not all of us do it doesn't mean we don't love things it doesn't mean we're not passionate about it I love clothes I can't have a million things of clothes either it goes all the way across the board you can't collect everything forever I think you're touching on some really important points. The type of magic that Marie Kondo is doing, and for those who don't know, she used to be a Shinto priestess. So she comes from a spiritual background. So, of course that informs her mundane life. I mean, right now, she's obviously no longer a priestess. But right. you mentioned how she knocks on books, she wakes them up, she says a little prayer, and she greets the house before going in. That's a very animist point of view. Like, that's a very magical way of interacting with the world. Let's just put it out there. She is a witch. Period. And I love that she says you can thank your items before sending it off. And people are like, oh, landfills and blah, blah, blah. First off, we can donate as much as we can. But beyond even that, we can't keep everything for forever. You know, we just can't. And part of it is we do, for better or worse, live in a consumerist society. Again, if you live in a small space, it encourages you, encourages you to be mindful about what you're consuming. Like, I can't just buy, like, a whole huge bag of stuff and be like, I'll figure it out, you know. I have to know. I have to ask myself in the store, where will I put this? What will I do with it? Why do I need it? And for me, that's really helped define my life and I think that's a kind of glamour too because if you have a purpose for this object and it's a bit you know animus too like then it means something even a little more so I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly but I want to give a, I want to give a shout out to Ben Joff um, he said something really interesting and I think very pertinent to all this which is 
oftentimes, first of all, he was just like, why is everybody hating on Marie Kondo? And second of all, he was saying, a lot of magical people, they confuse doing magic with reading the books. They think the more books you have, the more magic you are. And what you're bringing up is that Marie Kondo is actually doing, a, I think personally, a more effective type of magic, which is, let's think about what you need. Let's think about the, the constraints, the practical mundane constraints. If you're not able to do like a five hour ritual, let's work with what you've got. You know, she's saying, let's do magic in the real world. Just because you have less than 30 books does not mean that you're less of a witch. It doesn't mean that you're less of a magical person. It's sort of like, why are we conflating the number of books that you have with the magic powers that you have? And I think that's a very male-centric, ascetic, monks in their library, um, armchair, you know, sorcerer sort of way of thinking versus that folk magic, practical magic, that feminine magic that you were mentioning before. And I mean, for me personally, it irritates me because I, um, I don't have a lot of magic books that I utilize because I was lucky enough that when I was in my 20s in this part of New Jersey, we had a huge pagan community and people who have been doing this 20, 30 years. So I'd ask a person. I would, you know, go to rituals. I would talk to people who were outside of the traditions I was working with. And that was a big part of how I learned. And I feel like to discount that is ridiculous to me because... Isn't that how, like, tra traditionally, you know, we were all supposed to be doing it and for it to be like, yeah, but you haven't read blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I talked to a guy, you know, like, there was no need at the time for me to read all of that stuff because I was doing it. I feel like so much of what I do, I don't think of as magic because it's so much part of my daily life that I'm not thinking about, like, when I'm at a bakery and I'm picking out bread that I know I'm going to share with all of my, you know, uh, goddesses and everything, that this is this big fucking production. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm mostly just breaking it up, giving it out, you know, listening to any complaints that there may be about if their dishes are clean or who has ashes on what and who's being considered as a neighbor and doing dishes. Like, that. that is a lot of my practice. It's easy to be like, oh, she says a little prayer, she taps some books, you know, and it's more than that. Like, she finds the heart of the home. If you watch it, you see that. One of the things I love about glamour magic is I always feel like there's this sense of community and sharing, and it's like, oh, I love how you do that cat's eye. Can you show me how? Yeah, I'll show you how. I don't know if I should wear this to that. Yeah, you totally should. You know, no, you totally shouldn't. You know, whichever, but also things like sharing magical things, like... Um, one of my oldest friends, Miss Spice, um, taught me how to do sigil work with um, a, an eyeshadow brush and hand sanitizer because nobody could see it on you. So you'd be drawing all these invisible words and symbols and whatever on the fly as you needed them and you'd be like covered in them and nobody would know. I mean, I see makeup, like all this, I see it as putting sigils on your face in an obvious way. Um, Absolutely. And the colors that you wear, the clothes that you wear, um, they're all also uh, magical layers that you're putting on. And Marie Kondo, her personal glamour, off the hook, and you know, like uh, when I see her personal glamour, I pers I'm, I'm inspired by it. Like just everything about her, like on all levels, the just the externals, what her message, everything. I guess people would call it like her personal brand. All of it yeah. is so on point and it's all so consistent that I think that people can oftentimes confuse consistency in your glamour as being like very uh, fossilized and hardcore because they themselves are just like, well, if you're consistent on all these levels, that must mean that you're very dogmatic. When actually glamour magic is quite the opposite. You know, she makes a point to be like, I've 
seen houses like this and all of that to make people feel comfortable and she's very good at setting people at ease and to be honest I'm not sure she's human I think she might be a magical fairy creature you know because <laughs> she's just got this amazing energy you know but she always finds something really kind to say about everyone's house and really finds kind of the heart of it and she doesn't rush people to buy things or whatever like if anything she has them wait like with one of the families she's like I think eventually a chest of drawers here but we have to get everything in order before we worry about buying that so it's not one of those hey you can just buy a few things and your whole life's fixed it's you have to do the work and to me that is really indicative of magical practice you know you can't just buy a really beautiful athame although who doesn't want one you know you, you have to actually do it everyone's got their own thing like I honor my house I have a little um clay uh hearth light that takes a tea light and I do that um all the time and that's I've come to realize where the heart of of my hearth is my home and to honor that spirit and I think we get kind of uncomfortable thinking about our houses having spirits, but they do. When you have a lot of clutter, when you have things that are piling up and whatever, it's easier for things to start kind of congealing together into less than ideal spirits. And it's like, it's not like I've ever had this ooh terrible infestation. It's more like an infestation of ants. Do you want ants? You know, I see glamour magic as the insides of you being manifested on the outside. And if there is a correspondence or congruence between the inner and the outer, like you're truly who you are on the inside, it's being shown. It's almost like wearing your heart on your sleeve. That's when you know that yeah. glamour magic is um, authentic and you know that it's working. But the thing is, a lot of magic people they tend to denigrate this exterior. They see it as a meat suit, who cares? The stereotypical magic person who's, you know, somebody who doesn't really care a lot about the externals and often sees themselves as superior because they don't see this. It's all the inside, it's all spiritual. And yet somebody like Marie Kondo is saying, actually, bitch, well, she doesn't say bitch, but I would say, <laughs> actually, bitch, what you're showing on the outside is a really good way to measure like what's on the inside. Like what's on the inside is invisible. It's really hard to say, oh, well, I have a lot of clutter inside my heart, but I can sure <laughs> see clutter in my house. And if you're trying to say that having thousands of books, thousands of books, which maybe you can't even read in your lifetime, makes you a superior magician, a superior intellectual and human being, superior, by the way, on that thread that we're both, you know, disturbed by, the original poster said, if you have less than 30 books, you're not a cultured person, you're not educated. And I was just like, if you're going to be that sort of person who conflates that, you know, with like personality traits, that actually says more about you, and that's a very good learning moment. Like, boy, Take that and then do your shadow work so that you can do your magic better after that. So Marie Kondo, she worked magic on you right there too. She just showed you like where your magic is stuck. That you're so, so obsessed with like the number that you're just like ready to say, fuck Marie Kondo. I'm gonna punch her in her motherfucking face. I don't know about you, but a, a really powerful magician, they wouldn't say that. They wouldn't. No. No, and they would be threatened by it either. And I'm yeah, like, again, yeah. you're discounting things like the library. You know, my library, my local library actually carries my book. So I know they carry other magical books as well. They carry a lot of research books. It doesn't mean that, like, you're not a cultured person because you can't afford to buy all of these books or you don't have the space. I thought that was so privileged and which is hilarious because she gets called out for being privileged all the time. She's not coming from a judgy, you have to have these kind of rugs, this kind of wall and blah, blah, blah. It's 
do what you can with what you have. And people are so threatened by that. They're threatened by that in Glamour. They're threatened by that in her tidying up. They don't want to look at that. They don't want to think about why do I want to look this way? Why don't I want to care about things? Like I always tell people, nobody is frog marching you to the Mac counter. You know, like, but people of all genders should give it a try. We all need moisturizer. Let's just be real. We all need moisturizer. And even if you're a boy identified boy, guy liner is hot, you know, and if you are non-binary, you put on like boy clothes and then wear heels and, and, and lipstick. They do that in Hotlanta all the time. Like find what feels right and glamorous to you. It's not filling a role. I also talk about on uh, Franny Fisher, which is a murder mystery show. Her best friend is a doctor and she wears men's clothes and it takes place in the 20s and she is so fucking hot, you know? Own what you are. Own what you're trying to do. I like to think, and I know for sure, that if Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City, if she yeah. hired Marie Kondo, Marie would be like, you have thousands of shoes and they give you joy, obviously. Keep them. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. keep them. It don't matter if it's like, you know, like 50% of your house, it sparks joy. Like Marie Kondo personally wouldn't, but she said, right. but you do you. That's your magic. That's your glamour magic. I get dinged a lot because in my book, I give you an objective, but I'm told that's fluffy. I'm like, I don't know you, you know, like, I don't know what's going to work with you. And to be honest, that's part of what turned me off of many magic books. Cause I'm like, I don't want to do this. This doesn't seem accurate to what I would do, you know, and people don't want to think they don't want to do that work. So they're like, instead call me lazy instead of being like, I need to think about what would work here. And that's aggravating too on the book learning side of all of that. And what really aggravates me is when they get into like citation wars and stuff, I'm like, did it work? Why? And nobody is checking your references. It's magic. Many people don't even believe it's real. So if it did a thing, congratulations. It worked. Nobody cares. One of the big things about glamour magic is this ideal of um, being able to fit yourself into whatever context that you're in. And that requires a lot of flexible thinking. And one of the downfalls and one of the things that disturbs me a lot about modern magic is that there's a dogma about it that reminds me so much about religion. You know, it's almost like taking this Christian monotheistic way of thinking and transplanting it on, you know, like the edgelord sort of stuff, which is magic. I'm going to take the same mindset, that same evangelical, um, yeah. super conservative, like very much like a literal mindset and putting it into magic, which you claim is completely different from religion. But is it? It's just like uh, what I wrote about how my atheism, to be perfectly honest, it got to the point where it was a religion as well. Even though atheism ostensibly repudiates religion, it becomes a religion. Just like science can often become a religion, even though it's not. Absolutely, because then, it, like you said, it gets really dogmatic. And I don't want that. I've never wanted that. And that's why, for me, I've had opportunities to be initiated into secret traditions. I don't want it. I mean, that's just my personal opinion, you know, like, I, I like the DIY of all of this. That was always what attracted me to it, finding your own moral compass, figuring out what a good magical ritual looks like to you. Life is about constantly adjusting yourself to your environment. That's what animals do. You don't see, like, uh, wild animals being like, oh, this is city now? I, I can't, I can't go into the city. My natural habitat is like gone, so I'm just not gonna go and sit. No, like people, like all organisms that survive, yeah, hello Darwin, you know, constantly evolving, constantly adjusting, but adjusting yourself means that you have to accept chaos and uncertainty. And that's really scary for somebody who doesn't have the practice of adjusting themselves to others, which I think a lot of dudes um, were raised in an environment where they never had to practice that, so it's very uncomfortable. And sometimes I think a lot of guys railing against feminism 
is actually them being like, I don't know how to interact with this modern world. They say I have to change, but I was never taught how to change. And I don't know what to do, so now I'm just gonna get really angry. Okay, like the other day I was doing a spell and I couldn't find needles, like sewing needles. And so instead of freaking out about it, I was just like, what do I have? Paper clips. And I, you know, like unfolded them. It's yeah. stuff like that, guys. That's what life is. Life is just yeah. like, these are your constraints. Just like Marie Kondo says, your house is only this big. It's a constraint. Yeah. Sorry, we're, we're like in this mundane, physical, material world. There are constraints. I don't have needles. I can't find needles at the grocery store. I, but I have paper clips. Let's work with what we've got. Maybe it's not perfect, but we're trying to work with the essence, the most important part. You call it the, the hearth of your house, the heart of the matter. That's what we're working with here. We're not working with these technical things like the number of books you have. We're talking about the actual knowledge. That's what Marie Kondo was saying. And, and your ability to improvise, in my opinion. And, like, I, I mean, going back to this, like, idea of there's this, like, guarantee of success and I'm very honest with my my readers my students my whatever I said I did a bunch of things and this thing happened and they probably were related but I don't really know you know and I feel like versus I did this and I got that and blah 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 is A to B and I'm like well that's cool but I've never been privy to that whole track where that happens and frankly if it was as simple as you go down to the crossroads you say the right words you sacrifice the right things we'd all have whatever we wanted and we'd all only have to do it once no one would have a soul but you know whatever they're not that great in this shape at this point i mean isn't that what marie kondo is saying it's like Let's cut away all the fluff. Let's cut away. I mean, she's being like she's being actually more like a hardcore magician than a lot of other people. She's like, yeah. let's get straight to like what works for you. And you know, um, I was reading how the word, the Japanese word that's been translated as sparking joy, the actual Japanese word, and I totally forget that word. It doesn't necessarily always mean joy. It means it gives you like palpitations. It makes you excited. It arouses you. I guess like in psychology we call it like arousal. arousal. A flutter. They call it a flutter sometimes. Flutter. Yeah. Magic is really powerful when you infuse it with your will and your intent. You're not just doing it from your head. You're doing it from this deep guttural aspect of, of you. And that's what she's saying. Like, does this give you that palpitation, that flutter? Yeah, it's magical for you, keep it. And and if you don't feel that when you're doing magic, that flutter, that whatever, then I don't know where you're going to get with it. You know, you have to have that connection there, that, like you said, that deep seat that, you know, I, I can't explain it. Sometimes when you knock on something to, like, indicate to wake things up in a magical ritual, that is a real powerful, oh, hey, I'm here. Um, in puja practice, you can put on Shiva's ash, and that is intended to get the attention of the gods. And most of my grove was like, no, no, thanks, pass, I'm good. And of course, you know, everyone's got to give it a go once, and you really feel all of their eyes on you, watching whatever you're doing. And I'm like, I don't want this all the time, but sometimes maybe. And there's things made for that. One of the things that she does so well is infusing mundane physical items with animals, uh. with spirit. And let's say that you're a total skeptic. You don't believe in spirits. You think magic is some Harry Potter shit. Um, yeah. At the same time, if you can allow yourself to say, okay, yeah, magic is Harry Potter shit, but at the same time, I can be kind of neutral or slightly open to the idea that this book has some sort of energy, that this table that was handed down from my grandmother, it has some energy, that the apartment next door, which had a murder like 10 years ago, it has energy. Yeah. If you can be open to that, even just like that little bit of neutrality, you'd be surprised at how much more effective your magic would simply because like you're allowing whatever happened to happen. You're not putting walls, you're not putting obstacles up. Just being neutral. Marie Kondo, she's actually bringing that idea into the mainstream. 
she's turning mainstream society more magical. And instead of us in the magic community being like, thank you, Murray, so many of us are just like, fuck her. She wants to take my books. If you don't have 30 books, you're stupid. How dare she? My books, my cult books, my culture books, 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 these physical books, these digital books, books. Well, what about magic? And I think about Sabrina, the teenage witch, and how much, like, bullshit came of that. They're like, but this isn't, like, you know, real magic. And I'm like, I don't know. To be really honest, whoever's writing those rituals, yeah, they get some things wrong. Like, they call this holiday, which is supposed to be that holiday, whatever. The idea that someone in Hollywood right now is being paid to write those spells and figure out what those rituals would look like makes me so happy inside, but everyone wants to shut it down. Oh God, here we are. Now we're going to have more witches. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Look at that and say to yourself, how can I make that shit happen? You know, at home, I've got kind of a frame of reference. I'm going to move some stuff around. I'm going to try it. I want to see teenagers doing that. I want there to be more magic in the world. And I don't understand this attitude of we got to shut it down. We don't want them. You know, we were all them at one point. That also brings up this this thing of um, the magic community, much like I've seen it in the comic book um, community, just like any sort of like, I guess, fringe community, where there's this hierarchy and this desire to make it us versus them. Again, this like very religious, dogmatic yeah. way of thinking. It's sort of like you preach one thing, you're doing magic because you want to remove that separation between God and yourself. And yet here you are creating the same, you think of yourself as this God now, and now you're creating that separation between you and these other mere mortals. How can your magic be truly effective if you're hypocritical like that? You know, that's literally, you are stifling your own magic by doing that. Because part of the way, at least the way in my experience, magic works is by supporting each other and sharing each other's ideas and teaching each other things and, you know, supporting each other. And when you shut that down and all you're saying is, no, no, you don't have enough books. No, no, you're not doing enough, like, ancient rituals. No, no, you're making your own shit up. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. You're closing not just yourself off but other people off too you know and you're also kind of excluding yourself from that egregore that maybe you would have enjoyed you know maybe you would have found some community maybe you would have found some new ideas for work you could do for yourself and I hate that exclusionariness you know I'm, I'm so not into that it's just like what we were talking about earlier the thread earlier from a woman saying that women's work, putting on makeup and making your house beautiful, takes away from the magic you could be doing. Girl, putting on makeup and making your house beautiful is magic. The fact that you want to separate it out, that fucks up your magic. The fact that you want to separate yourself from other people, that fucks up magic. If you don't see the world as, you know, like that end scene in The Matrix where like Neo, he like awakens and he's just like, oh shit, everything's like The Matrix. If you want to be like Neo and be able to manipulate the Matrix, manipulate reality, you got to see the world like the Matrix. That means that, you know, like this beautiful dining room that you're in, that's a part of your magic. To deny that, you're denying part of the Matrix. You're denying, like, an aspect of the Matrix that you could be manipulating. You know, like the cute pigtails that you have, you know? Like, to not do that and be like, oh, that was a waste of time. You know, the like minutes that I did, like putting on these pigtails that make me feel a certain way, that was a waste of time. I should have been doing magic. That is magic. And I agree 110, and I get so frustrated with that. And again, if certain things aren't for you, you've tried them, it doesn't work, that's fine. But find what is. And not for nothing, a fallen demon gave us cosmetics. How many times do I have to say that? Like, shouldn't we care about that? Like, where else do you need it to have come from? And I mean, I, I get frustrated when people aren't willing to play. And you see in Sephora, the Mac counters and stuff, there's more and more boys working there and they're working it. And, you know, try it. 
try it. The worst that can happen is you feel really uncomfortable, you don't like it, you wipe it all off. It's not permanently etched onto your face. That's the point. It's temporary. This division of like um, cosmetics, domestic work, woman's work, woman's stuff is not magic. You could be doing magic, but you're not because you're stupid you. You're, you're going to Sephora and you're, like, you're trying out the new, like, I don't know, like Kat Von D eyeliner. Yeah, yeah. Do we understand what magic really is? You know? Do we really understand at the core what magic really is? What Marie Kondo is doing, that's magic. What women are doing, like that, like you mentioned, 15 minutes before their husband comes, like the rituals that they're doing, that's magic. Yes, reading a grimoire and doing spells in a rope, that's magic too, but that's not the only magic, people. And I get um, frustrated about rope magic versus, I guess, uh, we'll call it DIY magic, and yeah, you know, you need a starting place, you need a recipe, you can't make caca oven just out of your head, you know, you maybe start with the recipe until you learn how to do it, and then maybe you make make it your own way, but then maybe you also make something that started as that, but is now something completely different, and I feel like people don't give themselves enough space to explore, to get creative, you know, it's not just about saying the right words at the right time, and all of that, it's also that that spark of joy, you know, that comes from doing it, you know, and it, it really resonating with you. Yeah, you have to take those risks. You have to try something new and outside your comfort zone. And I think part of why I chose to be raised, if you will, as a witch the way that I was, was because it was all about burning my fingers. I mean, for me, it was always in small little ways, but I was like, let's do this. I want to see what happens. And a bunch of other people would be like, yeah, let's see what happens. And it was this very toddler-esque, you know, mad scientist group, you know, that I was sort of working with. That's the way, I, I didn't want to read the book, you know what I mean? I wanted to do it, I wanted to see it, I wanted to witness it, I wanted to be a part of it. I, I didn't want to, and I get the argument for that, because, like, there are a lot of good reasons, but for people like you, people like me, you're never going to get us to not burn our fingers first. <laughs> so glamour magic is also a great introduction, I think, to a lot of magic, because you're doing something, but it's not going to completely destroy your life in ways that maybe other magical rituals might. Right, I, I agree completely. And I remember I had a friend who was really working herself up into a froth about cosmetics and the patriarchy. And, you know, I, I got where she was coming from, of course, you know, and, you know, how men said you had to do this. I'm like, well, first off, no man's telling me to do this right now. Second off, I can tell you, having worn no makeup for much of my 20s and then coming to a point where I don't leave the house without at least my brows and lips done, the patriarchy is treating me the same. It is not that exciting. You know, like, it's an argument to be made the other way. Like, you know, the story I always tell about Dita Von Tees, you know, that her boyfriends were like, I want to see the real you. I want to, I don't need you to have all this. And she's like, fuck you. Like, you don't get to tell me whether or not I keep all this on. And if I go to bed with like a full face of this, that's my choice. You don't tell me, I tell me. And that's equally oppressive when a dude's like, no, I just want you to be natural. This entire concept of natural is so overrated. You know, we're natural when we're like babies and we don't have anything in our heads yet. You know, when we're that blind slate. It's very uh, patronizing to be told, just be natural. It's like, it, it is, be and what's really annoying about it is, is that like, it's supposed to be effortless, this effortless beauty. I'm like, what other things do you get praise for, for not trying? You don't get praise for not trying in school, in work, in other, you know, arenas of, like, child raising, you know? You, but here, here this is all supposed to just magically happen. You wake up, everything's cool, you didn't have to do anything, you didn't have to invest in product, you didn't have to spend any time, you didn't have to walk around with like a janked up red look for a while because you couldn't figure it out. You know, like, it's all just supposed to be like, ta-da! You know, and that's not the way anything works. <laughs>
There's this big issue right now with uh, the younger generation where they feel this pressure because of social media and, you know, influencers make it look effortless. Oh, you yeah. know, I'm this skinny even though I'm eating like two huge burgers. You, you know, that's not reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this illusion that people are marketing and that's dangerous. So I think Glamour Magic, it gives you permission to be real. And for all these influencers and people who make it seem so effortless, trust me, they are putting in more effort than you are. Madonna, yeah. while you were sleeping, she was plotting. She was devising her <laughs> next move. She was yeah. working out. You know, all these people that we say were just born this way, they weren't. They worked yeah. at it and they worked at it more than the average person. That's how they became effortlessly glamorous. And yeah. so let's just give people permission to be like, you know what, this isn't effortless. I put in work to do it, and in fact, the fact that I put in work makes me special. Because I was willing to get up early in the morning. One of my favorite YouTubers... Um, I put on a quick coat of mascara, and I'm going to apply some eyelashes. This is from Iris Beauty. It's a really nice thick fold to go along with this look. Super pretty. Alrighty. That's more like it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And she was talking about when she worked at the Mac store, she would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So that she could put on a full face of makeup and go to work with a beautiful face. And the thing is, most people wouldn't do that, but she did. And she has like a million Instagram followers. She has like 200,000 like YouTube followers. And she makes it very clear that she put in the effort. Let's all just drop the myth of effortlessness. Because that's what marketers want you to think. That they have the secret formula that will make it effortless. And if you just buy yeah. that product or you buy the system, it'll be effortless, but it's not. People, it's not effortless. Everything takes effort and that's good. Be proud of your effort. I, I agree with that so much. And I mean, it should, it should count for something that you tried this hard, my God. And that you care about how you're being seen, that you care about how you want to be seen. You've arranged your face the way you want it to be. And I, I, again, like floored that this is all supposed to be just like some kind of Cinderella situation. And I, I think it's important, like you said, to acknowledge that even within like artistic communities, like being a writer, there is that, that Cinderella effortless tale that, oh, I had a blog and then I got a book offer and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I didn't, you know, like straight up, I didn't. I had to write a marketing plan. I had to submit my first 10,000 words. I had to do all of this stuff to prove that I was worth something. And at the time, I felt very put upon about that because a lot of people I knew were just getting offered books. And at the end of the day, I feel like I could really say, but I made this. I made me. Every single vlogger, overnight sensation vlogger who got a book deal, they put in a shit ton of effort writing. I mean, like all of these like Twitter accounts that eventually became like books and stuff like that. These people were crafting like the most wittiest tweets. I mean, it wasn't just like they like got up in the morning. They were just like, you know, 15 seconds. Oh, I'm just going to put in like this effortless. No, they really <laughs> thought about it. They, they put in effort, but they just haven't talked about the effort they put in. So it looks as though it was an overnight success that they didn't really have to try. Tim Ferriss, Mr. Like, what is it, four hour work week? Oh yeah. Everybody who knows anything about Tim Ferriss knows he works more hours per week than anybody else. Yep, yep, yep. Don't fall for the fucking marketing bullshit. That's faux glamour. That's when, okay, this is what I call the marketing companies and society putting their black magic on you. Trying to make you believe that because you didn't do it effortlessly, there's something wrong with you. But if you buy the product, then you'll <laughs> learn how to do it. Ooh, no. They are doing their glamour magic on you. Are you going to be a bitch and like let other people's like black magic like get to you? Or are you going to be your own bitch and like <laughs> let your glamour magic influence others? It's your choice. I love that. I want to be my own bitch. I yeah. dig that. Marie Kondo is, she's unapologetically Marie Kondo. The thing is, she's being unapologetically her own bitch. 
And you know, in our first interview, you mentioned how being seen uh, with impunity, that's very threatening to society. It really is. It really is. And it freaks people out. And that's where it gets a little dangerous. And you have to be really watching what you're doing and, and knowing what risks you're taking when you do that. Because, like I said, that's another place people are threatened. Let's talk a little bit about maybe three... Uh, magical tips that I learned thanks to Marie Kondo. One, to acknowledge your house has a spirit. Two, to be true to yourself and what's actually important to you. And uh, three, be willing to look at things and, and be willing to change to make it a better environment for yourself. That's the essence of glamour magic, without a doubt. The ability to change, be flexible, and to take into consideration that everything around you and also your own body affects your magic. Guys, if you really want to know how to be a great magician, Marie Kondo is a living example. She went from just writing books in Japan. She can barely speak English. And she's yep. fucking famous now. She has a yeah. name. She has notoriety. She probably doesn't like the notoriety. She has book deals. <laughs> she's living her best life. All these haters, like, talking all this shit about her, are they living their best life? I don't know. Yet they're saying that their magic is awesome because they have more than 30 books. Then again, there's Marie Kondo with her less than 30 books in her apartment in Japan with a loving relationship, beautiful child, having a Netflix series. So I ask you, whose advice are you going to take? Marie Kondo, successful, beautiful, wonderful, authentic? Or somebody on the internet saying they're going to punch... Uh, this beautiful, successful, gentle woman's face. Even if their life exactly isn't what you want, if they're living their best life, that's the person whose advice that you want to follow. That's just, that's just the basic, you know, just everything. It's just like you want to take financial advice from somebody who's financially solvent. You don't want to take financial advice from your plumber who has like $20,000 in credit card debt. Just saying. Absolutely. <laughs> So Deborah, since we last talked, uh, what sort of projects have you been working on? Right now I'm, I'm in a research mode for my next book and kind of working on a chapbook. I'm finishing up the second cycle of my workshop, which is the Rites of Glamour. There'll be another in June. And um, I will have my limited edition of... Uh, ritual oil available later this week so if you go to my blog charmfinishingschool.com um all of those details will be there for you to check out uh, the class that deborah puts on um, it's i think limited seats right it's not like 50 people can join there's no 20 seats 12 not even it's, it's 15 and one scholarship just so everyone can really get that personal attention and it builds a much stronger um, sense of community with each other as you're working on your your great work and I have heard so many great things about this class and it is about, if you want to learn glamour magic and you need the structure of the class you're not even sure like where to start I mean that class would be amazing and you are working with physical items like oils and, and you make yes. them so it's yeah. not just abstract it is. No, I sent the whole component uh, glamour parcel because I don't want you to have to worry, can I find this, can I find that? It's all there for you. Glamour magic, like we mentioned, it is the abstract becoming manifest on the outside. So taking a class where you are given oils, where you're working with physical materia, I can't think of a better way to do glamour magic if you're first starting out. So June, right? That's when the next cycle begins? Yep, yep. And only 15 seats. So guys, I don't know, RSVP, RSVP like right now. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. 
Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan signing off.